Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Talking Indonesia podcast. My name is Ken Stiawan from Melbourne University's Asia Institute and today's podcast is about disability. Earlier this year, Indonesia passed a new law on the rights of persons with disabilities, part of a growing body of regulations that seek to protect the rights of the disabled. Yet, on a daily basis, disabled persons in Indonesia face many practical problems as well as discrimination. Disabled persons are also more likely to live in poverty and have less chances to access education. What factors explain the gap between laws and practice? To what extent do cultural and religious factors play a role in the way that policies are made? And what can be done to achieve inclusivity? Here to talk about these issues and more is Slamet Dohari, who is a lecturer in sociology and the secretary at the Center for Disability Studies and Services at Brawijaya University in Malang. Slamet Dohari, welcome to Talking Indonesia. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Slamet, or Amex as most people call you, I'd like to start this podcast by asking if you could share some of your own experiences of disability. You are dependent on a wheelchair. How do your experiences, perhaps at school in the lo- and in the local community, reflect some of the challenges with regard to inclusivity? I was contracted poliovirus when I was two years old, so I didn't know exactly when the time I'm, I become a disabled, I become disabled. So I was born in really uh, like a rural and it's very communal. Then it also depend on religiousities. I was born in like what we call it like traditional Muslim community. Due to that condition, so we, we don't have like accessibility, we don't have assistive, assistive technology and as well, we don't have access to health services which is accessible for me my mother and also my father took me to the place that we are going to visit to everywhere that um, my life is depend on my other people help lucky me that i have a big community that's really very helpful and also my my family support me and also my people around me are they, they really support me especially for my education but uh yeah in my daily life that sometimes especially the strangers or new people that come to my community or that come to my house they ask me and also sometimes they inform me or give the root word to me the people are you know guess me and ask me what's wrong with your leg and what's wrong with your body and so forth then after senior high school i went to yogyakarta to pursue my Pechler uh, or to my S1 or Pechler, that's really hard for me. First is that living in urban area is so hard because there is no accessibility. First, second is that the commonality and the you know awareness of disability among them is really really they don't even they don't I can say that they don't have awareness of disability awareness. Especially in Yogyakarta, and as you know, that all, I mean, on that time, all sidewalk and also all transportation mm, are not implemented, uh, uh, not has been, have been not installed, you know, accessibility. They don't have accessibility. The government didn't provide the accessibility. That's just a big problem for me. And on that time, also, the, the building that uh, I studied there in Gajah Mada University. Sorry to mention that that on that time is they have a high level, so probably five floor. So I have to climb and I have to step step on 
uh, the standard very high and it's really really hard for me however finally i you know that i i finish my reflection is that the accessibility is not a culture it's not uh, a popular it's not part of the need of people in indonesia they still depend on uh, the other people have so i'm a disabled they think that if you are disabled you should ask other people or you should ask uh, help to other people help is a, a duty for other people they don't provide accessibility then don't provide the how to make a people uh, 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 you know, can do their mobility individual so there is no ramp there is no bus i mean uh, special place for bus and then i have no specific seat in my bus especially in Yogyakarta, if we wave the bus sometimes they reject us because uh, the people uh, with the wheelchair sometimes will spend a space a lot of space so you're talking about a number of practical problems which basically shows us that the infrastructure for people with disabilities is insufficient but at the same time you're also talking about a lack of awareness would you say that cultural and religious ideas have a strong influence in how disability is perceived? Probably, yes. I've been doing my research on that actually. Is the culture related to uh, you know the rootwork of the discrimination happened in Indonesia? Islam, which is practiced in Indonesia, they put that disability is an object of charity. That's money or that gift is for them actually. They treat me as they treat me with. Uh, pity. They treat me with pity, not based on rights. Probably it's because of they don't have like disability awareness. Is it related to religion or culture? Probably yes, because I see that uh, religion in, especially in my community, not are not allowing. I'm a, especially Islam. Islam is not allowing me as to like become an imam or become a, the leader of salah or salat or leader of worship or something. The, the culture that happened in our country actually is not that kind of good because people actually have social capital, I call it, a social capital of that appreciating people with disability is a duty of people. If we say root to other people, actually, the root word, it's going to happen also to the kid. Uh, we call it pamali. So don't say bad word to other people with disability because if you do that, it also happen to your family or your kid. But it's it's not happen in urban area. Urban area is really be, very individual. So I don't see that people like say uh, take a polite to me. But if I go to the rural area, especially in Yogyakarta, that you know they take me or they treat me very special. I mean that they give me space, they always picky pack me where I where are you going and also they speak to me with the very high language, Japanese high language. Yeah. Why does that happen in rural areas, that special treatment? I think because of the people, few of people, uh, people, what few of people perception on disability itself, which is Injured with the culture itself. If we trace to the culture in Japanese society, that based on the classical writing, or we call it srat, or, or, or we can find 
that many disabled become disabled become disabled people become an, a hair hero for them like Semar, Petro, Gareng and as well they are disabled but you know they are always they are also God so if they insult me or they you know treat me in bad attitude probably something will happen to them that's their cosmology you've discussed religious and cultural perspectives of disability with the religious framework calling for good deeds towards persons with a disability while classical javanese texts portray the disabled as persons worthy of special treatment do you think that those perceptions are reflected in policy making and implementation yeah, yeah i think yeah i think it's really it's effect to the policies it's effect to uh, the government policy especially and also the society treatment if we you know if indonesian person or if indonesian meet to other indonesian they they, they are asked apa kabar sehat uh, how are you are you healthy and so that mm. it doesn't happen in western probably in western society they ask how is the weather and how is your school it's you do that in indonesia probably people will laugh about that and the first thing that you ask the people is healthy about the healthy and disability a part of healthy on that time if you not treat a person with disability with special healthy with special service to the on the health policy something about some catastrophic disaster or whatever is going to be happen so this social capital i call it social capital or this belief sometimes smoothen or the smoothing the program of government mm. they yeah some, sometimes um, yeah something happen like what we we did is that we used the so we used the uh, story of japanese classical japanese story to smooth people in the workshop and so it's really work so this social capital as you call it plays an important role in making disability rights more accepted particularly at a political level Indonesia actually has quite a substantial body of laws and regulations regarding the rights of persons with a disability. Earlier this year, for instance, a new law was passed. What does that legal framework mean in practice? In practice, look like yeah, Indonesia has uh, ratified the Convention on the Right of Persons with Disability in 2011, and also this convention. Uh, so the government also implemented with. Uh, make a new role or a new regulation. Uh, some of new regulation probably is that in education that policy make a great, great uh, and excellent uh, policy which is all universities should uh, give a service for students with disabilities. That's one. Second is that all uh, students with disabilities, especially senior high school and elementary school and uh, the the local government should provide an uh, inclusive school in every regency. At least there is one elementary school, inclusive school, and also senior high school, and also in kindergarten also. They should provide one, at least one inclusive kindergarten as well. So this is the new regulation uh, in respect to convention on the right of person with disability. So the new another another implementation that's a convention or we call it CRPD Convention on the Right of Person with Disabilities is uh, the new regulation in public area and as well so currently more especially more currently in public area especially in sidewalk in pedestrian 
they install the guiding block they also new accessible for people with disability they also provide try to provide and not, not say provide try to provide ram and so forth but that's a government policy but sometimes people are not supporting on that kind of policy because the culture is really really uh, not supporting on that policy why because it's the culture in indonesia we don't have like pub, the concept of public space many places which is installed in uh, accessibly to people with disability are misuse we can see it in many sidewalk and pedestrian uh, sometimes the uh, vendors they use the sidewalk to sell something for other people that's really disturb to people with disability because they occupied their place and they use the accessibility to make money for them. You are arguing that the gap between a significant body of legislation and practice is that in general people, despite those religious and cultural frameworks that you earlier spoke about, are simply not aware enough of the needs of persons with a disability. Does this perhaps mean that the problem lies elsewhere? How about a lack of funding? What are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that issue. Actually, mm. this country has a lot of money to do that because accessibility is not the kind of uh, difficulty. Mm. If they can provide like uh, other program or other project, why that kind of project mm. not have been provided for that issue? Yeah. Let's say. Uh, I got a project. I have been. I got a project on uh, rural area. We, we call it uh, desa inclusive, which is inclusive village. Actually, accessibility is not depend on money. It's depend on uh, awareness. Actually, if we, if we want to install the accessibility, let's let's say in the church or in the mosque, we can use wood. We can use bamboo. We can use many things that actually helpful. But you know, in, in Japanese culture, the accessibility of public space actually is not Japanese concept. It's a really Western concept because accessibility. The basic idea of accessibility is making people taking care of themselves. It's very individualistic, you know. Mm. And in Japanese culture, the idea of individualistic person is not accepted because if you disable go to some place their parent or their brother should accompany them or to her or him because if we live or we, we allow the person with disability go to some places the people or the society will ask to their parent who is the father who is the father why his father allow his kid uh, you know walk alone because why not where is your responsibility so forth so this kind of community and this kind of parentship uh, is really influential in policy, especially in public space. So sometimes that the pilot project of accessible city for people with disabilities, it doesn't work because of the culture. In, in Yogyakarta, as an example, uh, in 2000, we have a project on pilot project pedestrian, but you know that after people with disability across on the that's pedestrian, many people said that why do you walk alone here? Where is your mother? Where is your father? And so forth. Why do not they 
company you hear. It is about the culture issue. So on one hand, there are all these laws with individual rights, but you say if you look at society, that support isn't really there. So that seems to mean that perceptions of disability have only changed to a rights-based approach in law and not in society. Now, what can be done to bridge that gap? If we make a law, if we make regulation, it's gonna be uh, no, just law, not working in our society. The mm. thing that we should do is to promote the equal rights for people with disability with uh, many instruments that we can use, probably culture, probably religion, probably uh, education, and so forth. The education is very important for me in my as a lecturer as well, to promote, to introduce to new people or to new generation that accessibility, that right of person with disability is so important. What is actually the scale of disability in Indonesia? Data is often unclear, but are there credible estimates of the number of people with a disability? There are people with disability, which is population is 10%, which is if population of Indonesia is 250 million, then 25 million people, people with disability here are here. So the population also increased and increased. I can say that because we have earthquake, we have volcano eruption, we have tsunami, we have also the the very bad transportation and traffic are everywhere. The accident is very possible every day. So there's a growing number of people with a physical disability in Indonesia. What are some of the challenges in fulfilling the rights of persons with a disability beyond that issue of awareness that you've already discussed? For instance, you've just mentioned data with 10% of the Indonesian population having a disability. Is that the kind of data currently being used efficiently to provide services across Indonesia? This kind of data actually used sometimes by other activists, by other department to implement their program. But uh, according to me, that in my opinion, that uh, many institutions are always focused on just that area, not spray, not in many areas. Actually, if we are talking about disability, it's not talking, it's not always, it's not about always in Jakarta or in Java or in Yogyakarta or in East Java, but it's. Uh, everywhere, especially in other islands, like in Makassar and also like in Nusa Tenggara, but Western Nusa Tenggara, it's very, it's very huge population where the polio uh, virus still happen. In many places, especially in local area, polio uh, virus sometimes is manipulated. Even a Department of Health said that polio uh, is a dormant, but you know, Dormant is not that. Dormant is, you know, sometimes that um, probably uh, appear in our society. We have to be aware of that issue that polyophilus on 2004 occurred again in, in, in one place in Indonesia, in, in West Java. Mm. It shows that actually the polyophilus is still become a, an issue that we have to consider that. that. Uh, if we use the data, uh, probably I think Indonesian government or Indonesian institute, if I can say, they are uh, misused or they are cannot use that data because they believe or because they think that 
disabled people is always in Java and so forth. Actually, it's not always in Java, especially in Aceh. Look at Aceh after tsunami. There are many people with disability. We also consider that that people with disability is separated in everywhere, not only in Java. So one of the challenges is to ensure that services are spread equally. You also mentioned that there is often a focus on cities. Now I'd like to move to the rural level. What is happening at the village level to promote inclusivity? Right now what I'm doing is in the rural area, like we have new regulation, which is especially that our policy is focused on the villages with Undang Undang Nomor 6 Tahun 2014. This is law number 6 of 2014 on villages. This policy is very, very important for me as a consider. We should implement and we should introduce, we should put the disability issue to the all aspect of a program that would like to be implemented in village, especially the head of village or the the leader of village that that sometimes they don't care about the people with disability issues. So if we introduce them, if we introduce, if we uh, make them a workshop and also put up some point in that program, hopefully that put people with disability in rural area next time will be involved in, in their program. No, I'm working on that right now. So does that mean that people with a disability are directly involved in, uh, in the governance of their village? Uh, yeah. Is it about political participation? Yeah, political participation and also system of information and also services and also many things, you know, that the idea of uh, village government out of uh, the, 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 the new regulation is making the village a villager participate in their making decision mm. to the government. The basic idea is how to make the village and that the people is maker of the, 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 the policies, not only for the leader. So new legislation, which is not directly focusing on disability, is actually being used to promote inclusivity in governance and decision making. Another pressing challenge is securing access to education for persons with a disability. What is your take on special schools? How do they either contribute or limit inclusivity? In special edu education in Indonesia, for many years, the people with disability, uh, they have been placed in in special school. They cannot enjoy, you cannot get the public school like other students, like other kids. So the place for the people, like for the people with disability is in special school. So this kind of uh, policy has been changed in around 2000, many school and many area and many local government make their own policy to make inclusive school and in 2007 the central government here in uh, department of education affair make new rule that local area or local government here should provide at least one inclusive school in senior high school elementary school and secondary school and also kindergarten school for inclusive city no, in East Java, let's say that in 2011, we do have around 62 inclusive schools, and now we have 100 and, no, no, not 100, 1,200 inclusive schools. That's very big exchange for us. That I'm happy for that. But the problem is that many special, many inclusive schools doesn't provide the accessibility. And also they don't have a shadow teacher 
they don't have a basic curriculum that accessible for all i mean also for people with disabilities and they also don't have money to make how to uh, you know to give a service for people with disabilities and also they don't have a, a preparation well preparation to create a new program and how to to build and the condition and the culture of inclusivity in that school. What we should do is that we'll, we are still lack of shadow teacher. So that why the government should take, uh, pay attention to how to create the shadow teacher for people with disabilities. Because if students with disabilities involved with other students in class, they, they can learn loan. I mean, they, they should have like tutorial and also additional teaching and also they also have additional teacher that also accompany him to study because not all teacher understand how to teach student with disability so that why shadow teacher is really needed here but we lack of that shadow teacher so Actually, how, yeah. how can that capacity for shadow teachers be improved this is the, the challenge that we have to deal with we don't have school we don't have any department we don't have any university who uh, create or uh, make a department for inclusive school or how to create the shadow teacher we still don't have it and right now what we are to, what we are doing is that we ask the psychologists or graduate from department of psychology from many universities and then we the government and many government actually, not only the educational government, they they give a training to that alumni of psychology or other people who concern in disability to become a shadow teacher. But you know the training is only sometimes only a week or three days. It's not enough. So that way, the challenge that we should do is to make many many institution and education who create and provide. A shadow teacher for people with disabilities so inclusive school can work. As you've argued in this podcast, the issue of disability is so incredibly complex and we could talk for much longer but we are quickly running out of time. So to wrap up this podcast, just one more question about terminology. We have been talking so far about disability but I know that you prefer another term which is defable with, so with an F. Why is that? The term this is referred to they cannot, people cannot, you mean. So that way they use the term, they change the term with differently able people or defable. Actually, there is nobody uh, this. I mean, everybody has their, their own ability. Amex, thank you very much for your time. Welcome. That was Slamet Tohari of Brawijaya University on disability. The next Talking Indonesia podcast, hosted by my colleague Dave McRae, will be available on the 20th of October. And a reminder, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast series at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. You may also be interested in the newly launched podcast, Ear on Asia, produced by Melbourne University's Asia Institute and hosted by ABC broadcaster Sen Lam. You can find Ear on Asia via iTunes, Stitcher and the Asia Institute website. Many thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast.